You're listening to Soul Roadmap, episode 34. Welcome to Soul Roadmap Podcast. Each week, you'll hear strategies and inspiration to take action and live life better. Hi, I'm Dina Cataldo, lawyer, coach, and entrepreneur. This podcast is your roadmap to creating more success in your life, business, and relationships. Let's get started. Did you see the title of the podcast? It's about stepmoms. You might be asking yourself, should I tune in today? Well, even if you're not a stepmom or planning on becoming a stepmom or stepdad, I recommend you stay tuned because this podcast is also about communication skills and how to navigate difficult situations. All of us can benefit from that. I wanted to do this episode because it's a topic I see a lot of my friends working through. And I've also recognized that I'm of an age where if I do decide to marry, my partner may already have children. I also wanted to do this episode because I've seen my guest speaker with her child, her stepson, but she doesn't call him that. You'll hear our conversation about why that is shortly. Her son, Ike, is young, but he's learning to think critically about how to communicate feelings at a young age. Just last night, I saw a presentation by a man who was honoring his friend who had just been killed. He cried as he spoke, and at the end, he apologized for his emotions. We should never feel like we need to apologize for our emotions. Ike is learning at a young age how to recognize what he's feeling and communicate it openly and honestly. Back to stepmoms. Did you know there was a TV show called Evil Stepmothers? There's top 10 lists on the internet about evil stepmothers, like the best ones or the worst ones, whatever you want to call it. And a lot of Disney movies that we grew up with, and even the new ones, have evil stepmoms in them. This blended family that we're going to talk about today is a positive model for all of us. And all the links that we're going to talk about in this podcast are going to be listed in the show notes at dinacataldo.com forward slash 34. That's dinacataldo.com forward slash 34. Now let's talk about my guest. Tunisia OKK, also known as Tanisha O, is a newly self-published author and coach who has navigated some interesting waters with her family that she's going to tell you a bit about in our interview. She has a Facebook page where she shares some of the interesting moments that inspire teaching moments, and I'll let her share more about herself in her interview. Let's listen in now. Tunisia, how are you tonight? I'm great. How are you, darling? I am doing fantastic. Thank you. I'm glad that I have the opportunity to talk to you again because you have some really special things to share from a really unique perspective on blended families. So thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me. This is fun. Well, first off, I just want to say that Tunisia has a book out and... I have only had the opportunity to get snippets of it, but it is really good what I have read on it. And I read the foreword of this book that is written by someone you might not expect. So I'm going to ask you, Tunisia, to introduce yourself and to talk a little bit about this book, your baby that you just came out with. Oh, thank you so much. So the title of the book is Empowered Stepmother. And it's truly just my love letter to stepmothers all around the world in order to express and show them that 
we get to play whatever role we desire to play. We don't have to continue to be voiceless. We're able to be self-empowered. So I am inviting other stepmothers to go on a transformational journey with me as we discover how we can regain our voices and find our identities to discover who we want to be in this new blended family unit, as opposed to being told what we need to do in order for us to grow, glow, and thrive harmoniously in our blended families. I think that's beautiful. And coming from a perspective of I'm not married, I don't have children, and I recognize that if I am to get into a relationship with someone, most likely at this stage of my life, it's going to be with someone who has children. So I definitely appreciate this perspective that you're offering. And I hear so many horror stories around me of my friends who get involved with someone who they love dearly, has amazing children, but the parent that they're attempting to co-parent with is jealous or and (laughs) angry and causes strife in the relationship with the children. And there's this like negative energy, this tension that's brought after the children have gone to the co-parents house and then the children come back and they bring it with them. And so I hear all of these stories. And so when I heard about your story and how you work to create a really great system, and when we talked about this before, I was amazed. And so I wanted to talk to you today about some of the things, some of the tools that you discovered that were helpful for you to create a family that is just I mean, your family's gorgeous and sweet. Like, I've thank you so online, much. So, I they're just amazing. Um, and and your littlest one, Ike, who does videos with you on Facebook. <laughs> I love him. So smart! Oh my goodness! So I can only imagine how smart your other kids must be, since oh, he is just you. a little one. He's he's a doll. So tell us a little bit about your initial situation when you first started a blended family. Absolutely. So we began our journey over 10 years ago. And when I met my husband, the older two children whom I did give birth to were 12 and 13. So they were in middle school, which is a unique age, you know, to begin dating. And Ike was about one and a half. So my husband and I dated for about four years, which was awesome. We did not live together prior to marriage, but we spent tons of time together, which was great for the children and for myself. So we had a really healthy bond and understanding of one another before we were married. So we knew all the personalities and the various dynamics before we were married and things were beautiful. They were blissful. You know, my husband split visitation with Ike's biological mother and I had the older two children full time because their father resides out of state. And so they were with me, you know, summertimes they would go visit him and things were great until we were married. Oh boy. Who knew saying I do could change so much. So, um, yeah, that was our journey. And that's when life truly began. Like our fairy tale came to a very abrupt stop once we were married. Okay. You have to tell us what happened now with that beginning. 
So I'll give you a little bit of history on Ike's biological mother and Danielle is the name that we've given her in the book. So I will call her Danielle. So Danielle and I had seen each other a few times, but my husband never was in a relationship with her. So this is different than the family who, you know, maybe there was a divorce or a dating situation, which was kind of messy. And if you read the forward, you saw that she explained it's kind of tough co-parenting with the person you have such a casual, just a couple of bedroom encounters with. And now we're parents. So that was literally how it happened. And so I didn't get to have lunch with her or get to know her at all prior to marrying. I just saw her a couple of times and we didn't have very nice exchanges. She was, I was fine with being nice to her, but she wasn't quite interested in me, you know, which is okay. That's her choice. And so I noticed a change in Ike. Ike and I had a very close relationship prior to us getting married. But once we were married, he shifted, he became distant. And my husband and I immediately noticed some things. And I was like, oh boy, and it's hurtful. You know, you spend so much time, almost four years with this child and I see a change in him, but I was mature enough to realize he's a child. And obviously someone is feeding him something for him to change. And so instead of me taking it personal, I just began to get down into the root of what was happening and just talking to him. And that's where our relationship just developed even deeper to what you see today. He and I spend a lot of time together because the older two children, by the time Ike was in first grade, my daughter was in her first year of college and my middle son was in his senior year of high school. So fast forward, Ike is in sixth grade now. He's always with me. The kids aren't there. You know, it's he and I bonding. So we have a good connection with him talking to me. And that's something that I would say to stepmothers. Building a genuine rapport is step one. It's literally step one. And so when my husband and I began to see that things were spiraling out of control, all of the constant bickering, the unnecessary telephone calls, ladies, you know exactly what I'm talking about, these unnecessary phone calls at all hours of the night. I had to have a serious talk with my husband. And I said, listen, love, you only get one wife. And I'm the woman that you elected to be your wife. And with that being said, we have to take control of our home and we have to protect our home. We can't control what Danielle does. We can't control what Danielle says, but what we can control is our own home. And so he and I established rules of engagement as to how we will work with Danielle. And all of these things are in the book. And through those rules of engagement, the number one thing was my husband no longer communicated with her because it was a very abusive verbally relationship. And he decided, I'm going to just have to gracefully bow out. So I began to communicate with her. And of course, she didn't like that in the beginning, but it is the reason why we share such a beautiful relationship today, because it's been years of just her and I cultivating this relationship. And it didn't start off smooth, but it ended up that way. So once we got all these things established, who was going to communicate with who and how, that's when the next level of peace began. But um, I had to work on me because, oh, Dina, I was a character. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, I like that there was that owning that there was some stuff going on with you. What did you feel like you needed to work on? Oh my gosh. I needed like a 2.0 version of myself because I came into this situation. I was a teenage mother and the older two children, you know, they're older. So I came into it with a know-it-all attitude. Ah, I've been a mom before. I know how to do this. I got this under control. They're all the same, right? Like, yeah, exactly. (laughs) One for all, all for one. I'm a mom. We got this. Let's do it. You know, forgetting that there's another woman who gave birth to this precious gift. And just because I married my husband doesn't take her out of the equation. And here's something that I'll share that I haven't shared. We had custody of him at this time. 
So I wasn't just the stepmother who has the privilege of seeing this child every other weekend. He lives in my home. And so what I went through was putting myself in check because I had to remember to stay within a certain level of boundaries. You know, yes, I'm raising him. And yes, he's on my medical insurance. And yes, I'm there for every PTA meeting and cookie exchange or whatever they do at school. However, he still has a biological mother. And at the time, she really wasn't open to being as involved. You know, she was going through things. And so what I found is, think about it, Dina, in life, when someone doesn't like us, we feel the urge to find all the things that we don't like about them so they can't hurt us. Well, I don't like you anyway. You know, like that's mm-hmm. the that's the easy way. That's fine. You don't like me. I don't like you anyway. And then it's that excuse that we give ourselves. However, that wasn't serving anyone. And I had already been a teenage mother and shown my older two children what turmoil looks like in a relationship. And I refused to do that twice. And so I had to do a lot of healing for myself and through Empowered Stepmothers, I take you on that journey with me going through seeing who I am and tapping into a lot of the baggage of life that we carry from our childhood pains and from the experiences that we have. And as I began to identify some of the patterns that I had, I shifted my mindset towards his biological mother, Danielle, to begin to see what we had in common as opposed to what we had so different. And the bottom line is that she's a mother and I'm a mother. She loves her child just as I loved him. And when I began to show her just through my communication, you know, greeting her a little differently and it was her birthday, buying a little card or something small, a little trinket, like a little cake for Ike to give to her for her birthday. She began to see that I cared genuinely. And that's not something you can say. It's something that you show. And that just began to blossom into something beautiful. There was something that Danielle wrote. And just to make this clear, Danielle wrote the foreword for Tunisia's book. Yes. Just think about how much progress in her life, how much of a shift she had to make in order to write the foreword to your book. I mean, I just thought that was amazing. And she said that you helped her understand that she had to let go of her own pain and her own resentment and begin to love herself before she was able to give love to her own son like he deserved. Right. What do you feel created that kind of shift over time? Like what kind of things, interactions did you have with her where that kind of shift could happen? Well, part of it was me being genuine. But before I could even be genuine with with her, I had to find that level of love within myself. It wasn't there. And we as humans, we don't understand that the love that we have for ourselves is what we're able to display and give to someone else. And a lot of times we harbor, we're our worst critic, we're our worst enemy. And so a lot of times we harbor so much anger and so much resentment and so much pain towards ourselves. We're spewing it out into the world without even knowing that that's exactly what's happening. And so once I was able to look in the mirror to see, oh man, Tanisha, this is tough. And beginning to tell myself that I love myself. I love you. And beginning to see the greatness within myself. It was at that moment, literally Dina, when I would see Danielle and she would smile, I would say, what a beautiful smile she has. You know, her continents changed towards me and I just was being myself. But the thing that she told me that brought her to me is 
her watching the genuine love I had for her child. I remember his football team won the Super Bowl and we were there and I'm in the moment and I have the camera and I'm taking all these pictures and I'm just so excited. And all of a sudden I turned around and she was there and she just grabbed me and she hugged me and she began to cry. And she said, I just can't thank you enough. And I said, you're welcome. But what, what are you thanking me for? She said, I can't thank you for the amount of love that you give my baby. And I can't thank God enough for him giving you to Ike of all the people that could have been selected. It was you. And you can't do anything with that, but just be grateful. Because I'm going to tell you the truth. It wasn't as though she was constantly saying thank you. And she wasn't, she didn't even appear grateful for anything that I did. And so I don't want to paint a picture as though it was just all roses and she was bringing me gifts. No, she wasn't. So it caught me off guard because she was quietly watching everything I was doing, even though she kept throwing the curveballs. And I'm sure I was throwing some curveballs also. But it was when I changed my mindset of her that our relationship changed. And I'm going to tell you the truth, Dina. Maybe she never changed. Maybe she didn't. Maybe it was just the way that I decided to see her and to see the situation. But it changed in my eyes. I mean, the action showed that it did. But so many times we have a vision of what it must look like. It has to be this exact way. And if it's not that way, then it's not perfect. And I let go of any vision of what it had to look like. And I just was more committed to the peace and the harmony in my own life than anything else. And so whatever it was, she gave great, you know, and that was, that was about a year ago, honestly. You know, you hit on some big, big things right there because so often we do have those expectations of how something is supposed to look like, what it's supposed to seem like. And that's that control freak inside of us that says, okay, this is what life's supposed to look like. This is how I'm going to form it. And so often, no, all the time, not just so often, all the time, we can only control what we're doing and how we decide to react to things. I was listening to one of your Facebook lives with Ike and he said this and this, I can't believe he was 10 years old and he said this. <laughs> he said, just because you think something doesn't mean it's always right. And I mean, let's just let that sit for a second. And let's give the audience the context in which he used that. Mm -hmm. He used that as he was discussing his father's decision for him to live with him and no longer his mother. He had an idea in his mind that my daddy was only making me live with him because he wanted to get back at my mom. And so as he got older, because what happened is when he brings these little nuggets to me, I don't just say, oh yeah, no, no. I said, well, why don't you talk to daddy and ask him why you came to live here? And I think it's important for us parents to be able to be open to talk about that. And so my husband explains to him, well, you know, where your mother lived, the schools weren't so great, and you know, these various things. And I wanted to teach you how to be a man and to be brave and to do all these things. And so that's the context. I know exactly. I remember that. Talk. Remember that? Yeah. Yes. Why don't you tell us a little bit about these Facebook lives that you do with Ike? Because I think, I mean, just from seeing a couple of them that you can really see this soft relationship. I use the word soft. It's like this gentle, calm relationship, ease between the two of you when you're talking. And it comes from him. Like I can really see that there's an ease when he's there with you. 
Can you talk about how these Facebook lives came to be and how this really beautiful relationship evolved? <laughs> sure. I actually laugh when I think about it. So when I decided to start tea with Tanisha, oh, it was myself and I hadn't quite decided, you know, these things happen organically and you just kind of flow into it. But Ike was so funny when I was like, what are we going to talk about? And he was like, well, I'm the executive producer. So I... <laughs> <laughs> so he decided he was the executive producer and he would make sure that the camera was right and the lighting and like he did all these things. And so when I finally was like, Hey dude, you want to jump on? Let's talk about something. And I was trying to get the big kids in there and they were like, uh-uh mom, no. And then I was trying to get my husband in and he was like, are you kidding me? But Ike was like, come on, mom, let's do it. So like, wow. He was so excited. Yeah. And so I just started, I was like, all right, bud. So talk to me about what's on your mind. Like what topics? And that is one of the things I do pull from my entire family. So although you may just see me or you may just see Ike, a lot of times I'll pull from all of them topics. You know, what do they think? What should we talk about? And what I found was that it was quite therapeutic for Ike to be able to share his thoughts and his feelings on such a sensitive topic. But what the world is coming into are intimate conversations that he and I always had. Because I always share with him how important he is. And I always share with him how special he is to have two moms. I'm like, dude, you have two moms and a dad? Oh my gosh. Awesome. Yeah. Like you hit the jackpot. And I always remind him that God gave you enough love to love all of us. So you don't have to pick how much love you give any of us. You get to give us all love and it's going to be shared between all of us. And so he's just showing what we've shared. And in the videos, you'll always hear him talk about, no, we're treated the same. And in all honesty, and I'm not judging anyone in their families, how they decide to unfold their family dynamics. But in our home, we made a decision from day one that we were not going to use the word step. So I don't have stepchildren. I don't have a stepson. Ike is my son. And I go into a lot of depth in the book about the titles that we give people and how it can impact someone without even recognizing it. So one of the examples, and I'll just give you this one snippet, but one of the things that I say is think of it when you get married, if this is your second or third husband, when you introduce your husband, you don't say, this is my third husband, Harry. Because that's going to make Harry feel weird. Or you don't want him to say, this is my third wife, Julie. Because no matter what number you are, if you're number one or number three, that love that you share is still something sacred between the two of you. And it's going to make you uncomfortable. So imagine a child who is introduced always as, this is my stepson, Johnny. And the other two kids, those are my real kids. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're automatically drawing a line, not even intentionally. I'm not judging and I'm not saying it's intentional, but it's definitely causing a divide. It's the same feeling that a mother may get when a child says, oh, that's my dad's wife. Mm-hmm. There's absolutely no attachment. Not even my stepmom, just my dad's wife. Those are things we don't even think about. Well, I was talking to one of my girlfriends and it was really interesting. And, you know, it might have even been a topic that came up when you and I were chatting before, but she was out with somebody and they were talking about their children. This person had said something similar to those are my kids and they recognized they were the stepkids, not like her kids, biological kids. 
And they said, well, that doesn't even count. Like that's not like, <laughs> like it didn't even count that she was now their mom. Wait a minute. Who said it didn't count? The child or the person speaking? No, the ladies who were talking to her, well, that doesn't count. They're not really wow. your kids. So you're not really their mom. I was like, what? That doesn't even make sense. And there are other things that women in particular seem very harsh on one another about in creating this divide. And it's, it's like a status thing because you don't feel that the step, quote unquote, mother should have the same status as the biological mother. And I thought that this status divide between biological and stepmother was cruel, really, because then you're never going to feel like you're part of that family. You're never going to feel like you truly belong. Absolutely. Have you had any experience with that? <laughs> I actually have. So mothers, the advice, and I go into depth of this in the book, but the advice that I have for you is have those open, candid conversations with your family about what will we call each other? It avoids the surprises down the line. So we had a conversation about what Ike would call me. And Ike chose to call me mom. He wasn't required to call me mom, but he used to call me me because he would have to say Miss Tanisha. We're old school, so he could never call me by my first name because we're not on a first name basis, but he called me me. But once we were married, me, uh. So my husband was like, what name would you like to create for her? And he says, I want to call her mom. And so he called Danielle mommy. And the older two children had the same opportunity and they decided to call him dad. So the children had that talk and we had an open conversation during our family meetings, which I give really good details on family meetings and how all that good stuff can work. We had these conversations of what we would be and if we would be a step family or whatever the case. And that was that. So because we've had this conversation, we all know what the expectation is when we're out in public. So we happen to be at a basketball game. Damien, that's our middle son. He plays basketball even in college now, but this was back in high school. So we're there and a really lovely lady, one of the other mothers of the players, she has one of her girlfriends with her and I'm sitting in the bleachers with Ike and Shantia. So she introduces and she goes, oh, number three, Damien, that's her son. And this is her daughter. And oh, that's her stepson. And I corrected her immediately. I said, oh, no, no, no. He's not my stepson. He's my son. He's the same as everybody else. This is my baby. So I've never introduced him to you as my stepson. So you don't get to give him the title that you want to give. You know, you can't give a title to someone that wasn't given to you. And so she said, oh, I'm so, so sorry. And it did a couple of things. One, it established such a trust with Ike because he sat there. And so now he's like, this lady was serious when she said, she's my mom. Yeah, she is my mom. She has my back, you know? And it freed me because I'm not required to stay within the boundaries of society in allowing them to dictate or determine my love for a child because I did or did not give birth. Yeah, you know, there is such a cloud over the word step, you know, like the evil stepsisters. You've got one of the definitions of step is someone who's just not cared for as much as the other ones involved. And I mean, I really feel that words have power. And when we don't stop and recognize what those words emote, what they really mean in society when we use them, then we don't have the opportunity to change the way we can either perceive things ourselves or help other people perceive things. Right. Which is why this project was something that was so passionate to me. 
in the book, I talk about the secret society that you sign up for when you go into a blended family that no one seems to tell you about until you get into one. And you have to get the book in order to find out what those codes are and what that secret society is. But you definitely sign up for this secret society that you didn't even know existed, but you're in it. And your willingness to play the game correctly is going to determine some of your peace of mind, kind of what you described in your girlfriend when they said, ah, it doesn't count if you didn't give birth to them. That's part of that secret society that we sign up for. And our ability to speak up for ourselves and our willingness to be brave enough to remember that our family unit is sacred and no one gets to define it for us. But the only reason it becomes uncomfortable for us is if we haven't defined it ourselves and if we have not become comfortable in what it is. If you're not comfortable, then of course, you just kind of go with whatever people say. You're like, yeah, that's right. It doesn't count because I didn't give birth to him and you kind of let it go. So, I mean, I know that you didn't have that level of, I guess, comfort with Danielle, who you were co-parenting with. I don't know if you always had that level of comfort going in with your family when you first got married. Was that when you were like, okay, we're going to have a family meeting and we're going to talk about how we're going to talk about each other? How did that start? Was that something that happened over time or was that something that you knew going in, you had a plan, you knew what you wanted to do? It was more of a plan. I was a stepchild and it was not pretty at all. I had two stepfathers, as a matter of fact, and my mother had children with both of those men. So I was always the one out, so to speak, you know, where my sister's dad was in the home with her. And then when my younger siblings were born, their father was in the home with them. And so I knew the feeling of being excluded. And I was so passionate about the importance of my children being included and never being looked at as step or separate that I actually had a conversation with my husband. Hey, maybe we should just date until the big kids go off to college because I wanted to make sure that they were included, but I didn't have to do that because I watched without saying everything. And ladies, it's important for us to watch some things like we don't have to give the playbook away all the time. And We just want to tell everything to make sure they fit perfectly. But sometimes we need to just quietly observe. And so I began to observe, is he willing to come to baby girls? She cheered through high school and college. But while she was in high school, is he coming to baby girls football games as she cheers? Is he willing to go to Damien's basketball game? See, parental involvement with the sports and the different things that the kids do, the awards, banquets and things like that, that was important. But he made it a priority to him. And therefore, I was like, great, this is a good thing. And so because we were already doing family things, showing our involvement for each other prior to being married, it wasn't abnormal. And remember, there were some years of us dating. And I think a lot of times we keep the children separate and we're just going to get to know each other on our own. And then all of a sudden you throw these kids in the mix and it's a mess because you didn't involve them from the beginning. And whatever you see the other partner doing during your dating, that's going to continue when you're married. So as soon as we were married, because we already had an open dialogue between all of us, it was like, all right, guys, come on, everybody, let's have a family meeting. I don't even know why I said it, but it sounded good. You know, I come from corporate America. Things aren't (laughs) going right. What's the first thing you do? Everybody in the boardroom. And so I think too much of me was still just corporate. It worked, but there was too much corporate America in me. So I was like, okay, guys, we're going to have a meeting. 
and let's just all sit and talk. And so we all had our notepads and we weren't allowed to interrupt. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Everybody came downstairs, including Ike with his pen and his pad. And so everybody had their notes. And I was like, okay, guys, write your notes on what your vision is. What are you going to do? What goals do you have for this year? Like, that was just me. Too much corporate America in the home, but it worked and it brought order and it brought organization to all of us. And so even the kids, I want a family meeting. Anybody can call a family meeting. It's not just my husband and I. Family meetings do not take place without every person in the home present. So if I'm meeting with the kids chatting and my husband isn't home, that's not a family meeting. I'm just chatting with the kids. Speaking of that, that's another very important nugget. You must be on one accord. The children were never allowed to ask me just because I was part of bringing them into this world. Can I go somewhere and not include my husband? Because what kids like to say is, well, I asked my mom. My mom said this. My dad said this. No. If you've asked me to do something, I will give my take on it. But you have to go to dad as well. Even to today. If they're going out, it's very important for them to say, because my house is not a hotel and baby girl's graduated with her master's degree, but she doesn't just get to go out and stay out all night. No, this is not a hotel, ma'am. This is a home, you know, and even when baby boy comes back from school. So we need to know where they are. And so their responsibility is to make sure both of us know where you are. So you can't just say, well, I told mom. And then it excludes the other person as though they're not important. So I think it's these little things that are important for us to establish whatever the rules and the boundaries are. And I share different things like that in the book. And so that's where family meetings came from. Well, okay. Now that you've hit on that, we've got to talk about that because that is a a huge issue I hear about where, you know, there's one parent who's co-parenting who is completely spoiling the child basically to get back at the other parent or, you know, says yes to something when the other parent said no to something. When you and Danielle and your husband were not having good relationships, when it wasn't working, how did you create those shifts so that you could get on the same page, so that you were able to you know, finally communicate that you all needed to be in on this together? Uh, that's a wonderful question. To be completely honest and transparent, that's still a work in progress today. So although Danielle and I have a very beautiful relationship, my husband and her, they don't speak often. And it's actually quite interesting to me when I think about it, because I think Had we not stepped in and changed the game a bit, even though it was awkward and uncomfortable in the moment to have me be the point of contact, what would life be like five or six years later? Because they still don't really talk. Mm. We might still be going through half of the nonsense we were going through. You know what I mean? Because they still to today don't talk. And so I actually had a counseling coaching session with Ike and his mother today on this exact topic. And I think that what helps is our ability to be able to, one, once a relationship or a rapport, but our ability to be able to communicate without blame. Hmm. So when I'm asking Ike about a situation that occurred, maybe between a conversation he had with Danielle, and he tells me, this is what happened. And I'll say, okay, all three of us are going to have a talk. And so I'll say, share with her your thoughts. And she'll say, that never happened. Absolutely never happened. Well, instead of me saying, yes, it did. He said it happened. It had to happen, which is what I would have done before. Now I say, well, that's the way he remembers it. 
And the way you remember it could be right also, because we all know that a situation can occur. There can be five people there and we all have five totally different recollections of how something happened. So I can't tell her that's not what happened. And I can't tell him that either. But what I can say is, well, I can't say whether that happened or didn't. However, at that time, there was behavior that was consistent with what he's expressing now. Definitely sounds like a lawyer response. Yes, that was a paralegal for sure. (laughs) (laughs) That paralegal comes out and my husband's always like, oh, this girl. And so, and what I did say is, I don't know what you've taught him, but what I do know is whatever it is that you two share, you have taught him between the two of you that being disobedient and not following directions is the way he's rewarded Mm. because he is disobedient and will not follow directions on purpose in order for you to give him kudos or credit. I said, love, why do you keep doing the wrong thing? Like what is going on with you? And he said, well, I get more attention from mommy when I get in trouble than Uh. I do when I'm good. When I'm good, and I give her a, like a praise report, so to speak, of whatever great thing he did. He said, she just says, okay, good. But when I'm not good, she asks all the follow-up questions. Well, what happened? And then she'll follow up with me later. She's much more invested in the problem than she is when I'm doing something right. And so I said to him, is it possible that that's just the way you're seeing it? Is there another way to see it? You know, the thing I'm teaching him now is resourcefulness and how we view things and how we can see things in more than one way, even if that is what's happening. And so, yeah, he was like, yeah, you know, I could. And so my conversation with them most recently was, well, he definitely changes. And he said it, you know, I change when I'm around you. Sure you do. You definitely change. Why? He didn't understand it. Why? But I was able to tell her, I said, well, whatever it was that you taught him or showed him, this is how he's taking it. I'm not telling you, you did or didn't do it, but this is, and she agreed. She agreed a hundred percent. And so I think when we own who we are as stepmothers and we decide within ourselves, what role we're going to play for me, I decided I'm going to be the peacemaker. And of course, I'm a life coach, so I see things a little bit differently, but it doesn't matter. Whatever phase you're in, if you're able and willing to come into a conversation without attacking, it allows people to be far more open to share than when they're defensive, you know, when we're blaming them for everything that they've done wrong. But you only get to that place when you've done some healing of your own. So we're still going through that now where. I'm like, uh, we had a conversation and this is what was supposed to happen. And she's like, yeah, well, blah, 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 the reason why. (laughs) And so I said, you both understand that the opposite of excuses is success. Anytime there is an excuse in whatever it is that you're telling any person about anything, that's the opposite of success. You're making an excuse for why you failed. I love that. Anytime you make an excuse... Basically, you're just opting for failure. Correct. And so I had to ask both of them. You know, I asked Ike recently, I said, Love, talk to me about why you're so committed to failure. Why are you afraid to succeed? (laughs) After the shock, initial shock on his face of what? (laughs) You know? (laughs) I was like, Why are you so committed to failure? And what are you afraid of with succeeding? He's like, 
I'm not committed to failure. I said, yes, love, because you are holding on to those excuses so tightly. And I get it because it's comfortable. Excuses are comfortable. Mm -hmm. Success is scary because we don't know what's on the other side. We don't know what comes with it, but you get to decide which one you want. And so that's part of our coaching. And it's a journey. Although I wrote Empowered Stepmother, I love the fact that we're still going through it. You know, we're still living it right now. So you had the opportunity to do what might be an awkward outing with Danielle, your co-parent, <laughs> and I. Can you yeah. share that with us? Because I just thought that was amazing that you could have that kind of a relationship with her. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to tell you, Dina, I don't think this story will ever stop being funny to me because it was funny in the moment. So I'm on the phone with Danielle. I don't even know why. It was probably one of the longest conversations her and I ever had about whatever, but it kind of led into personal life and it was going so well. I was like, hey, so you want to go on vacation with us? (laughs) You want to go on vacation? She's like, yeah. Okay, listeners, I had not had this conversation with my husband. And you do recall me telling you that he doesn't talk to her so much. So, (laughs) oh boy, that's why it's funny because it's not really funny. So I'm like, great. Here are the dates. Here's all the information. It's Clemmer. And I talk about Clemmer in the book and how transformational it was. So what it was is it was called Playful. It's a weekend where parents get to go. You hang with your kids. I think the ages are about five to 12 years old. You hang with your kids and you get to see them interacting with other children. You get some really good parental tips. And basically what the children are learning, you are learning when we're in our various workshops is how to communicate effectively so that you're using the same language. So when I'm talking to Ike about success and failure and consequences or whatever it is, he knows exactly what I'm talking about because he's already gone through this training. Because some people may be thinking, is she seriously talking to her child about failure? Yes. Oh, heck yeah. He's in middle school. Buddy, let's get it together. You know, so he can hold very good conversations. You've seen Ike. So anyway, I invite her. She's so excited, except for one thing. My husband's like, I'm not doing that. <laughs> he was <Right>? like, <laughs> go fly a kite, Tanisha. <laughs> and I was like, actually, you are. Ladies, we all know how we can have conversations with our husbands. We do choose our battles. Some people say they don't, but I do. And this was one that was important. And so I just had to tell him, look, love, it's not about you. And it's not about me. It's about Ike and anything that we can do to make it better for him. Let's do it. And also let's not make it seem like we're just trying to keep him away from her. You want to take everything off the table, not to the point of losing whatever your boundaries are or anything like that, but you want to let your children see that you are working towards something, you know, especially if there's a lot of chaos. And so this was my way of saying, let's just try, let me extend an olive branch. And she was so excited to go. And so she went and my husband went. Wow. Yes. I was like, love, the good news is you have a couple months to get it through your mind that we're going because we're going. And he was like, you can go by yourself. I said, I could, but I'm not. We're going to go together as a family. And it was awesome. Of course, there were a couple awkward moments. We didn't stay in the same cabin. We were up in the mountains in Colorado. We didn't stay in the same cabin. She stayed in a cabin. We were in a cabin. But it was great. 
it was a great time for him to see everybody laughing and talking and all of us discussing getting on the same page. And although we had a great experience, Ike had it in his mind that things were going to be perfect after that. And so parents, it is important that we set expectations for our children. Don't set them up for failure. He thought it was going to be perfect. And of course, when we came back, it wasn't perfect. It was better, but it wasn't perfect. And so that's when I had to have the talk with him about people and how we set expectations and how we have to mind our own business, meaning we are not in control of how other people react, respond, or what they do, because that's none of our business. Huge. I don't think we talk about that enough because I think we're taught that we have control over how other people feel about us. And how we behave is going to impact how other people are going to feel about us. And sometimes we even get that positive feedback. A lot of times when we're kids, you know, we get that positive feedback. Okay, if I behave a certain way, I get this certain response. And then over time, you realize, you know what? Sometimes, um, most of the time, that's not going to be the case. And some people are going to treat you differently no matter what. Exactly. And you have to be okay with yourself. Period. You have to be okay with yourself. And I think that the sooner we're able to teach our children that, the better. And newsflash, we have to learn it for ourselves before right? we can actually be really good teachers. <laughs> 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 That's the part that everybody wants to overlook. Like we're teaching our children these things, but we have not quite nailed that thing ourselves. And so that is a huge thing. I cannot control you. And I'm going to be honest with you. And I talk about this journey with my middle son. He's my precious baby who literally taught me how to be a better mother and learning how to parent an adult child. Oh my goodness gracious. You want to talk about some growing pains. Oh boy, Dina. It's, you know, you go from this child, like I gave birth to you and you're so used to telling them or offering quote unquote suggestions of what they should do that you forget Yeah, he's an adult now. And whatever I've given him up until this point, he's going to have to use that. You know, at some point, you have to just trust that you've given them all you can in order to prepare them for the world. Because trying to teach and prepare them at 21 years old, you probably missed a couple of really good opportunities between zero to 21. That's not the time to start parenting. And so I went through depression. It's all in the book. But I went through a lot to get to a place of peace. And I always tell Ike, buddy, you got the good part of me, my love. Shri and Dame, they were practice. (laughs) (laughs) So by the third kid, no problem. Exactly. We got this nailed now. I was like, I'm ready for you. What you got? And the big kids are like, buddy, you don't want to do this. You know, I haven't even shared this on Facebook yet, but parents, when you make a decision whether it's a consequence for behavior, you must stick to it. When Ehani and I went to Fiji to Life and Wealth Mastery with Tony Robbins, I told Ike, because he had been acting up in class, I said, listen, bud, I'm going to order a clown suit because you want to be the class clown. Now, when the package arrived, I let him open it. And I said, listen, my love, keep that clown suit in your room. I want you to see it. Because if you get into any mischief while we're away, and we were gone for almost two weeks, luckily, you know, older daughter is home, so she takes care of everything. You're going to wear that outfit to school. Oh, he oh didn't no. Me. Did this, did this <laughs> go badly for Ike? It didn't go well. I'm talking red nose clown suit. And there might be parents right now who are like, she's a terrible mom. She humiliated him. 
that's okay for you to think that. My job is to raise a young child into a young man. And there are consequences for absolutely every decision that we make. And he knew the consequence because I left that clown suit in his room for him as a very clear reminder of what life was going to be like if he decided to show off. And oh, honey, Dina, he went to town while we were away. My phone is blowing up. Teachers calling. I said, oh, no way. So I came home and I was like, well, bud, you're going to rock that costume to school. And he wears a uniform. And so Monday morning when the school bell rang, I went in and I asked to see the principal. And I sat with him and the principal said, there's no way he's wearing that outfit. And I looked him in his eye and I said, oh no, he's wearing this outfit. He knew the consequence. He's wearing this outfit. I cannot have your staff calling me every day. I have things to do. I love you. If he wants to be the class clown, (laughs) I got him the perfect outfit to ensure this red nose. It was the works. It was the clown wig with the colorful wig. He had the polka dot hat, the big talk. He had a nice little colorful polka dot bow tie and a vest and the nice little red nose to boot. Let's do it. How did he respond to that? Like what happened after that? Oh, we're going to class and I'm with him the whole time. And Ike had a meltdown. I'm not going in class. Oh no, you're going in this class. So I called reinforcement. Honey, I think you need to come up to the school. Ike is having a meltdown and now it makes it worse because now you have two parents and your clown suit while you're in class. And I spent the entire day with Ike But not just that day. I spent all day Monday from the time the morning bell rang until the end of the school day. Monday, all day. Tuesday, all day. Wednesday, all day. All of this while I was doing the final edits for the book. So I just had my computer and I did the edit because you know what? Parents, we always want to talk about how important our lives are. But imagine the impact you have on a child when you stop for a moment. You made the decision to have those kids. And when they need you, When they're crying out because of their behavior and they're acting out, that's when they need you. They don't need us when we feel like coming or when our schedule clears. They need us when they need us. And it wasn't a level of control because I promise you, he did not want me in the school. Amazingly, since I was there for three days straight, oh, not one phone call except for very good reports have come home. I bet. He's like, no, thanks. I said, dude, I already told you. The big kids already told you what mom does. I did it to the big kids also. Now, I didn't put Damien in a clown suit because he's such a class clown that he would have thought it was awesome. He would have right. been high-fiving it. Yeah! And it would have pissed me off. So I wouldn't do that to him. <laughs> You're going to tailor it to the, your child. Exactly. Daughter, she would have had a meltdown. Middle son, he would have thought I was the coolest mom ever. And I didn't think it was great. He never wants to see the outfit again. So when you commit to a consequence, you must stand by that. And that's why he believes me. Yeah. And just being present for him. I mean, I remember when I got in trouble in school, my, I mean, it didn't happen very often, but my dad actually came to the school and he made a point of saying, I will be watching you. You will not be hanging out with those girls anymore. Mm -hmm. And, you know, watching me when I walked home from school to make sure I wasn't going down the alley that he specifically told me not to, which of course I decided to do anyway. Of course. You know, those kinds of things. And And you see, you still remember. Right. I mean, I remember. It's burned in my brain. But I know he loved me more than anything. And that's why he did that. And I think that the parents who have the children, because you, you tapped on this earlier, the parents who don't have custody, they seem to love to be the hero, so to speak. You know, they want to look like 
the best thing in the world. And so I asked Ike, I said to him, I said, love, I know how much fun you have at mommy's house. That's fun. And it's not that we don't have fun here. We travel, we do all kinds of great things, but it's fun, you know, when it's with mommy. I said, but let me just ask you, all the fun things that you do there, is that enough to sustain you to become the man that you desire to be in life? Can you become the architect that you tell me you're going to be from all the fun that you're having? Are you going to get into that university? Because he has like five to 20 that he are his favorites, right? Are you getting into any of those schools from just the fun that you're having? And he said, no. And I said, that's why it's important for us to learn balance. Have fun and enjoy yourself. But don't penalize daddy and I because we're the people who get to be here with you when you're doing homework and when school assignments are due and when things are due, because that's all part of the balance that comes with life. Mm -hmm. I know it's fun, but that fun isn't going to take you completely where you need to go. We have to find balance. And so I think having those conversations instead of kind of whispering it is important, but supporting the children to know, I know you're having fun. I know how fun mommy is. She's fun. Instead of being upset because they're not acknowledging the fun we have with them. That's his thing. That's his time with his mom. Don't downplay it. Don't ignore it. Let it exist. Let it be what we resist persist anyway. But at the same time, remind them, we're just looking for some balance, my love. That's all. And even when I talk to Danielle, when I talk to her, I'm like, see, what you can't do is you can't come down on us when we have him read or have him do schoolwork, but then you're in the front row when he wins Battle of the Books and he leads his school to a championship victory. You don't get to do both. You have to support us when the work is being done so that you can celebrate. And she agreed. She said, absolutely. And so I think when we get to a place where we can have those conversations without blame, it works. But to all your listeners, I will tell you the thing that is the absolute positively, most important thing of everything that I've said is that the husband and wife must be on one accord. And if you're telling me right now, we're not on one accord and you're blaming your husband for that, I will challenge you or invite you to look at other aspects of your marriage and your relationship where you're not on one accord as well. Mm. Because it's not just with the children. There are other areas that this is showing up in as well. Because what shows up in one part of our life shows up everywhere in our life. The way you do one thing is the way you do everything. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to invite you to see it a little differently so that you no longer have to look at it as though it's the children's fault. They're the reason why you're not happy. No, they're actually not the reason why you're not happy. You're the reason why you're not happy. Because those children do not have control over you to take your joy away. They may not be doing what you want them to do. And they may never do what you want them to do. But that doesn't have to take away your love and your joy and your happiness in your relationship. Ah, Tanisha, you have said some really heartfelt and very true things. Like They resonate very much with me and I'm not even in this situation. So I just wanted to say thank you for sharing your experiences. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. Oh my gosh. Will you please share where people can get to know you better? Absolutely. So blending our love, blending our love. I'll tell you the meaning of it. Two families coming together. We're blending I have a family and he has a family and we're blending our love together. So blendingourlove.com 
is our website. You can find us on all social media at Blending Our Love. And the book is Empowered Stepmother. It's on Amazon, on Kindle and print version. And I'll have it in a bunch of other places. But for now, you want to go get that book. It's just a beautiful resource. It's literally, like I said, my love letter to all of you stepmothers out there. And actually, upon reading some of the reviews that I've gotten, I saw one person said she's not even a blended family. She actually has adopted a child. And the tips that I have in the book are working for her because it's just a matter of communication hurdles. When trying to have, she has an open adoption. And so she's trying to communicate with the birth parents and the birth family. And so my understanding is not just for blended families, it's for anyone who's trying to work together in any family unit. So I hope that it just blesses you as much as it did me. I gave everything. I will start to get some more videos with little Ike Poo because <laughs> I see a shift in him. Yeah, that's my nickname for him, my little Ike Poo. So we'll get some more videos out there, especially now that the book is over and get it going. But yeah, check us out. Go get the book. If there's any speaking engagements where this niche can fit in, I'm totally open to that also. I'm definitely speaking and doing all those things also. I just want us to come together as women and be empowered as stepmothers and own our place in this world and in our family units to be happy so that we can grow, glow, and thrive harmoniously in our blended families. Thank you so much, Tunisia. You're welcome. Thanks, Dana. I hope this podcast gave you something to think about in your own relationships and your own communication skills. I'm linking to Tunisia's Facebook page. I encourage you to watch her videos with Ike. They are adorable, but they are also very insightful. I'm also linking to her new book, Empowered Stepmother, Grow, Glow, and Thrive Harmoniously in Your Blended Family. You can find all of that at dinacataldo.com forward slash 34. And you'll also find any of the other things that we mentioned in today's podcast there. I hope you have a wonderful day and I will talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to Soul Roadmap. If you have a moment, I'd appreciate it if you'd subscribe, rate, and left an honest review on iTunes. I read every single review, so let me know what you want to hear more or less of, and I'll talk to you next week.